0: You're listening to the Master Wildlife Filmmaking Podcast, Episode 36. Lisa Sanford left a career in journalism to become a documentary filmmaker, specializing in difficult and remote expedition projects. She has filmed across five continents on a diverse collection of projects, exploring topics ranging from science and discovery, violent crime, espionage and ethnographic and archaeologic expeditions, to intimate personal portraits of author Wallace Stegner and conservation pioneer Mardi Muri. Joining the ranks of the urban refugee, Lisa returned to Jackson Hole to raise her son with paleontologist Wallace Ulrich. As executive director of the internationally renowned Jackson Wild, formerly Jackson Hole Wildlife Film Festival, since 2004, Lisa curates and oversees all programming, including its annual summit and international film competition, global partnerships, media labs and impact coalitions, as well as its annual United Nations World Wildlife Day Film Showcase. Lisa is committed to amplifying the power of media to inspire wonder for our living planet and ignite action to restore and protect it through high-impact collaborations as well as elevating diverse global perspectives that directly engage new audiences to address the critical challenges facing our world. Good morning, Lisa. Thank you so much for taking the time out to be on the Master Wildlife Filmmaking Podcast this morning. How are you doing?
1: Fantastic, Jake. How's it going in Nevada?
0: Well, funnily enough, I was looking at your beautiful blue sky there behind you and trees, and that's normally what it's like here. But this morning it is blowing a gale outside and raining, so it looks like we've, the, the weather has flipped for us.
1: <laughs> yeah, well, you can see um, I'm, I'm bundled because it's really chilly cold here, um, but it's so gorgeous outside, you know, take it while you can.
0: Yeah, absolutely. It looks beautiful. It's nice to see you sitting outside. That's awesome. So let's start, as I start all of these episodes, with the beginning of your career path. uh, What has led you to this point now? So really, let's start as far back as you want to go. What was it that got you into uh, the filmmaking industry?
1: Well, I I think like a lot of people, I backed into it you know, it wasn't something I really planned. My career path is, um, truly a meander. Um, and and I, I wholeheartedly endorse that for everyone. Um, you know, I started out being extremely driven and, um, you know, very focused on what I thought I wanted to do, which was be in journalism. And, um, and I discovered as as I went through school, you know, when I was in graduate school, I took my first photography course and I can remember being, I was probably 19 or 20 at the time and, um, and I can remember thinking, oh my God, if only I had discovered this earlier, <laughs> you know, this is what I really want to do, but I'm on a path and and actually believing at that point that I was on a path that, you know, was a linear one <clears throat> and um after a career in journalism, uh, mostly as an editor, I uh, veered back toward visuals and in um, the arts and photography. I started a graphic design studio with my best friend. We had um, eight or nine artists working with us, doing books, album covers. You know, lots of rectangular, visual things, and um, and. Uh, my boyfriend at the time was a cinematographer who is going these amazing places and having fabulous adventures while well, I was in a studio with eight wonderful artists um looking at rectangles and and I just thought, "What the heck am I doing?" and just changed, just pivoted
0: it's amazing how that yeah. Uh, I think so many people see the lifestyle of traveling the world and filming incredible wildlife and what have you, and that, that is such a pull yeah. to so many people. So, what was it that then? How did you then transition from your graphic design into into filmmaking?
1: Well, it it's um it's oblique. I I really use the journalism piece of it more than anything. Um, And um, in the, you know, I worked with my boyfriend and his friends and, you know, just started at the bottom being a PA, um, doing sound recording and camera assisting and just understanding what the crafts were and just kind of leaning in toward learning everything that I could. And um, and it didn't take long for me to discover that. I wasn't very good at taking um, direction from a boyfriend and, um, I was less good at being a technical person in the camera or sound department and where I, where my strengths were, were, was really in producing. And, um,
0: it's always, it's incredible when there's a mix of friendship or relationships, it either works or it doesn't. Right
1: and you know what
0: direction from uh, your other half it
1: you know the whole thing about film is it's it's just such a collaborative enterprise and um and i think that's a big piece of what drew me there um it's a group experience and you you draw on the inspiration of the people around you and the creativity of the people around you and uh it becomes such a um just, it's fun. I mean, seriously, anybody who's in this business knows it's, it's fun.
0: Absolutely. It, it it's the most fun you can have for a job, I believe. I mean, that's that's why I do it. I love all aspects of of the filmmaking industry. And I should just say to listeners at this point, because they might hear some crashing in the background, you have some construction work going on, I believe, nearby. <laughs> and so we can't see it on the video, but it's it's happening in the background if anyone's wondering what the bashing is. But otherwise you're I sounding great. So, right. There we go. So um now you didn't get directly into wildlife filmmaking. I don't believe you, you went down a different path of, of, uh, <clears throat> of, filmmaking. What was it that you first started filming or producing?
1: I was, I was doing a lot of work, um, with a lot of the same networks and channels that produce nature and wildlife film. I was more focused on social issues. Um, and, uh, I moved to Los Angeles because, you know, in my little world, that was kind of the the epicenter of where a lot of production was happening, and um, and worked at the PBS station there, at a couple of um, the major networks um, on specific projects, and this was all in the mid '80s, mid-late '80s, I want to say, and um, during that time, you know it it was, you know, golly, let me just collect my thoughts for a second here, because I'm, you're taking me back a very far distance in my own memory. It was, um, it was kind of a dark period for me because a lot of the projects that I was working on were, um, really focused on violent crime and, you know, sort of a sad piece of a lot of people's worlds. Um, I did, a show called uh, "Day in the Death of America" that was um, documenting all of the gun-related deaths in a 24-hour period in the U.S. and um, and we're talking. This is before Google, so it's hard to find them. Um, but uh, and so I, you know, I, I came on as an associate producer. Um, that's you know sort of where I landed at the beginning of my career. I'd done a few things in you know you know, failed technical errors. I'm really terrible in tech, let's be clear. Um, but I do <laughs> understand what's required <laughs> to be better than I was. Uh, so I, my niche was as an associate producer, my journalism background made me a fabulous researcher. I, and, um, and I like being, being around people, I like communicating with people. So I'm a good interviewer and um, tend to draw people out. Uh, so I was kind of built for those jobs, and um, and I gravitated toward them. So there is a particular few period, few year period where um, Day in the Death of America, for example, was as I said, 24 hours of gun de- gun related deaths, <clears throat> and and you know some of those are accidental, some are suicides, some are you know random, some are intentional killings, you know it's, it's a whole mixed bag, but lives are destroyed. And pretty much everybody that I had to deal with had had their life upended because of violence. Um, In that particular case, I had to pick the day that we were gonna select. So I picked a a Friday night in August with a full moon um, because all the stats support that there'll be more more gun-related deaths that day. Uh, And then spent the next six months going around the country finding people whose lives had been completely upended because of that one day and because of guns what well, uh, what kind
0: of emotional toll does that take on you as a as a producer you know whatever role it might be but having immersing yourself in that kind of i mean i think we know as wildlife filmmakers just watching some of the tragedy that occurs with wildlife and and in some cases just the nature of being you know a a lion taking down a gazelle and you know filming it and watching what can be horrific sometimes to see can take a toll on you emotionally but doing it for six months and when it's so close to home as in human related um incidents what what kind of toll does that take on you
1: it's a lot i mean you know every person you encounter in life Touches you, and um, if the people around you are devastated and damaged, um, you take a bit of that on yourself. I I can't imagine the jobs that some people have where this is this is their life. Can you imagine how giving and how emotionally draining their lives must be where they've been doing? I you know I did it. For about five years, I I did it on the, my next project too, which was about violent crime. So we did rape, murder, aggravated assault, armed robbery, and and I immersed myself in the lives of the victims and the criminals for almost two years. Um, I can't imagine spending twenty or thirty years uh, being that, being able to survive that, and and I couldn't, you know it. It took its toll on me, I I had to leave that. It was too hard.
0: Yeah, I can imagine, you know, know, I think the closest I've ever come to anything like that was I filmed an episode of Intervention um, years ago. And I remember the intervention scene, for anyone who doesn't know, it was following a heroin addict in their day-to-day life. And then at the end, there's an intervention with all the families that get together and, perform an intervention on the person and i remember looking around the three camera people and the rest of the crew looking around everybody including myself is just wiping tears away it's so emotionally charged that it's hard to detach yourself from that emotional you know the emotion in the room and um and i could never imagine that was something i couldn't stick with because i i just couldn't, didn't want to feel like that every day. And so I can imagine. So what was, you gave that up specifically because of the emotional toll and moved on to to other uh, genres?
1: I started looking at other other projects and other types. Um, Actually, you know, there was actually a turning point in there Um, after the violent crimes project, which was a couple year project. where, you know, I I had um, a contract taken out on me by the Crips gang because that guy didn't like his interview when we actually did it. And it was just it was just oh hard. It was hard. There were so many broken lives in that film. Um, how I, And I have
0: I, to I, I, you can't say that. And then let me just leave that there. How did you how did you get past that? that scenario was it did you have to remove the interview or did you have well, how did that and no
1: it didn't end i mean i'm not dead you, it it continued he's just probably on. still in jail I don't know. um you know just i think i moved houses so right. that i wouldn't be as easily um accessed and again you know we're talking about when you couldn't google anybody and find them very easily so right. you know it was easier to um, to just sidestep than it sure. is today but I um, I went in after it was all done and I was having a massage and the woman who gave was giving me this massage was talking about the Dalai Lama coming to LA um, for his 50th birthday so that had to be what mid 80s sometime yeah. um, for his 50th birthday and um, and I, I you know I was pretty young. I didn't even know about the Dalai Lama at that time. I was like, tell me. She told me about him. And I said, you know, that would be such a vacation from what I've been doing. I would love to do something like that, you know, like follow, like cover that, you know, starting to look for new ideas. And I got the most, seriously, totally out of the blue, unrelated, I have no idea how I got that call. But um, I got a call from someone in Canada who was doing a film on the Dalai Lama, and they were looking for a team in LA to do it, and asked me if I would be the sound recordist. (laughs) I was like, oh yeah. (laughs) And I said, you know what, absolutely, I will do this. And I will tell you up front that I'm a producer, I'm not a sound recordist, and I would never hire me as a sound recordist, (laughs) and absolutely, I'm in. And right. um, <laughs> and so I helped him put together um, a little team, three-people team. And we spent a week um, with the Dalai Lama, documenting his week in Los Angeles and the ceremonies he did, the interviews he did. When, when we met him, he served us lunch. And wow. um, that experience changed my life. Yeah, I bet. It really made me um, go inside and start to reflect on how I wanted to spend my time and um, the importance of finding joy in a fractured world. So yeah. that was that. truly was a pivotal week for me that just kind of serendipitously dropped in my lap for no good reason, except that sometimes they, you get gifts from the universe.
0: Yeah, and it sounded like that is what you needed. Um, I mean, it's almost two extremes there, you know, going <laughs> yeah. from one to the other. So, so you, was it that point that you decided, okay, you need to, you need to look for different things? How did that, uh, that transpire?
1: So uh, after that, it really dawned on me that um, I didn't have to take every job that was in front of me. And I could be a lot more intentional about what I wanted to do with my time. And, um, and I started being a little more selective, which again, comes from being able to have some more experience behind you where you don't feel desperately forced to take every job in front of you. But I really started um, exploring the world. Uh, and really taking on, you know, difficult expedition shoots to remote places. It was challenging. It was fun. You got to go to really cool, interesting places, meet people that you would never meet in a meaningful way. Um, it was fabulous and, um, and a little bit, um, I don't know what the words would be, self-indulgent maybe, because... You know again just having so much fun
0: well it probably felt that way after coming from what you were doing having Mm -hmm. contracts taken out of you because of the kind of things that you were filming and interviews i i can imagine how suddenly even though you're doing great work because you're traveling and you're not having to look over your shoulder every five seconds would suddenly feel that way
1: and yet you know the thing is about um going to new places whether they're far away or you know, just, you know, an hour or two away from your home, you you just expose yourself to different experiences, different people and start listening in a different kind of way. Uh, and that that is um, something that is enriching in every every part of life.
0: You know, I love the fact that you you stated it in that way that it felt self-indulgent because I think so many of us in this industry who have had the you know um, pleasure of traveling and the honor of traveling the world and filming incredible cultures and wildlife um, so much of the time you know we know how lucky we are but so much of the time it's just so fleeting because you're so busy you're you're working so much that you you know, you, you kind of, especially at the beginning of your career, you kind of, you miss a lot of the culture and you come back and go, wow, I don't really remember much other than just the work. And I think it's lovely just the way that you explained it, because it shows, I think you appreciated every second of, of where you were based on your career to that point.
1: Yeah, I think at that, at that time in my life, I was really, um, feeling immersed in everything that I was actually, doing at that minute and what i missed were like normal relationships normal family gatherings um you know just being able to have a normal life with my with my pals because everything seemed so consumptive i mean that's one of the i think that's one of the things that attracted me to this um to this media is um it's consumptive you know you you get involved with people's lives you be you know you get involved in the unfolding of science or the unfolding of a story you know whatever it is that's in front of you it kind of demands everything out of you at that minute and it's you know it's very fulfilling and all-encompassing
0: yes i i agree 100 i i actually i never thought about it like this until this point but in some ways it's almost like self-development you you know reading a self-development book to betty yourself filmmaking in this industry is kind of like that because you do you start to learn new things and and i find it's made me a better person throughout my career just because of the places i've been the people i've met the things i've learned along the way and the way that i now know i want to be in the world based on those things and um awesome you know, that's life experiences. So, you know, we are very lucky to have had the experiences we have certainly in this industry. Um, so, so.
1: But that's the thing is it's so intimate. You don't, it's not like you're just going out and taking pretty pictures. You're really um, becoming part of somebody's life and they're letting you in, they're giving you permission to, um, to, tell, to tell their stories. And that's an intimate gift that can't be underestimated
0: for sure for sure now it's th- there's a transition here where obviously you went from producing being in the field to running Jackson Hole Wildlife Film Festival now known as Jackson Wild um lead us through that transition there what was it that what what, what happened there what what is the the catalyst to you deciding to do that
1: Well, I decided I didn't want to be in LA anymore. I wanted to have a child. I wanted to be back in Wyoming, in Jackson Hole specifically, and um, and I wanted to craft a different lifestyle for myself. So I was, you know, it was an intentional decision to come back here. And and let's be clear, I'm from Wyoming, so this is home for me. This isn't, you know, like going to some fancy resort town because it's cute and pretty um this is my home which is happening a lot
0: these days right yeah
1: this you know Wyoming is in my DNA and um and so for me it really was about coming home and trying to be doing you know continue in, in the track that I was in I had my child and I had um I had taken on a very cool couple of projects um where we were going to be. Um, it was in the United Arab Emirates, and they were going to, we were going to fly a balloon over the empty corridor uh, and do some remote sensing and find all of the um, Cretaceous period dinosaurs. That and there are many in that area, and um, <clears throat> so there was there were two tracks that were happening. One was the scientific track of finding these dinosaurs and excavating them. And then the other track was filming that project, uh, which is an IMAX project, and filming another project that was more of a a narrative, um, sort of beautiful narrative story, fantasy kind of project. And those elements would help to anchor um, a big museum that was going to be developed in the country. And um, my brother was living in the UAE at the time with his family you know, my, my husband and son were at an age, you know, my husband's a paleontologist, um, so he was very, very interested and engaged in this project. My son was at an age that being with his cousins would be fabulous. And, um, and so that's what my next three years were gonna look like. And then 9-11 happened, and um, the bottom fell out of that, you know, if, if, the, pro- if the project's never happened at all. Right, Um right. but if they had, they would never have happened with a woman, American producer handling handling them. So I was just, uh, you know, sort of, I'd been going to Jackson, the Jackson Hole Wildlife Film Festival for years. I'd been attending because a lot of the projects, even though I wasn't in nature that much, um, they were being commissioned by the same commissioners that commissioned nature yep. and film projects. So it was fun, it was in my hometown. And, um, you know, things collided. Uh so I just uh they needed they needed somebody to to pick up to and carry the ball moving forward and I just you know I treated it like another film job for a few years and then became the executive director after that.
0: That's fantastic. Now you've been there since 2004, <laughs> am I getting that right?
1: Somewhere along that. It's been a long time.
0: It's okay. It's, and
1: something
0: like that. And Jackson Wild is really, I mean, one of the most preeminent wildlife film festivals around the globe. I think Wild Screen and Jackson Hole really are the two biggest festivals there are when it comes to the wildlife genre. Um, Let's talk a little bit about the role of film festivals and the importance of film festivals. What what is what do you believe the role of film festivals is?
1: Well, I think there are a lot of different kinds of film festivals. There are some that that really gravitate toward the public and um, and want to create out facing um, programming and really engage people in sort of that process. And then there are some more in facing. Um, conferences and summits and festivals um, where it's the industry itself looking internally and getting inspiration and, and showcasing uh, new voices, new perspectives, new projects internally and, and that they're very different. The, you know, there's just the focal points of both of those are very different. And then there are some that merge both very happily together. And, um, and in the case of Jackson Wilde, we really are uh, an internally facing industry, um, conference and, and community, we really um, look to the convenings that we're producing, you know, the summit during normal years, the annual summit during normal years, and the, you know, sort of the monthly gatherings and the, you know, the virtual collective hub during these crazier times, where it's it's more difficult to convene face to face. But I think um, the primary role in my mind as um, as an industry convening is to um, really reflect what the community that you're targeting wants. In, in our case, it's a time to gather people together face to face. A lot of people who spend a lot of time in remote places coming together to be inspired by each other, be inspired by work, look at new innovative ways to tell stories, new platforms, find new stories, connect with those people who are doing the work on the ground, the scientists, the conservationists, the passionate people that whose stories want to be told, need to be told, and, um, and fundamentally uh, accelerate film as an opportunity, as a vehicle to be for each of us and as individuals to be agents of change. You know, we're we're so far outside of that period of time where the role of media when and, and that's where it was when I was starting, it was to entertain and inform. And that is we're so beyond that now. If if yep. media doesn't connect people directly and immediately to action that they can take and to it. Well, whatever that means, whether that's volunteering your time or, you know, planting trees or giving money or whatever that means, um, if media doesn't connect us to the world around us, we're wasting everyone's time.
0: Yeah. I couldn't agree more. And, and I think Jackson Wilde does such a, you do such an amazing job at all of those things because there are so many film festivals, I mean, all sorts of genres, but even in the nature, wildlife, natural history genre, there's quite a few these days. And so many of them, uh, I won't mention any names, but there are some that are very much festivals for people to go and see new films. And, and that's fantastic.
1: That's great and that's but that, that's not what we're doing
0: sure yeah there's a place for all festivals without a doubt what i love about jackson wild is that you guys have really you know you you are in taking it to so many different levels with the the coalition the collective the awards the summit the the way that you've handled the pandemic like so many festivals had to um but but being able to really maintain all of those focuses throughout that which must have been unbelievably hard um you know not being able to do in-person events and um I mean, having been there and, you know, just from a, a networking standpoint as a filmmaker, it's, it's fantastic. All the people that you want to see, the people you know, that it's like a second family. Uh, and then the people you don't know who you want to get to, you know, meet and network with. Um, just how casual it is. It's not, it's it's you know formal to a sense but informal in terms of it's like chatting with friends which is which is great some of the best meetings i think happen over a, a coffee at the breakfast table you know um and and then just showing wonderful films having great panels that really dissect those films and talk about the action that they're they're you know hoping people will take and and they're putting out there into the world and really just looking at all of these different angles i think is so unbelievably important and jackson wilde does it so well and so i i mean I talk about this a lot on the podcast about the importance of festivals if you're looking to break in. And most of our uh, listeners are people who, you know, this is for aspiring filmmakers who are looking to get into this industry. And of course, film festivals from that point of view couldn't be more important because that is where all of your peers uh, are hanging out and, you know, on a yearly basis. So let let's talk about that actually. Now Jackson Wilde is um, you have a few different things going on now because there's also the science awards. Honestly, Award. Jake, that's one
1: of the the heart and soul of um, some of the of what's most important to us is, you know, is bringing new perspectives, emerging emerging filmmakers, you know, just early career filmmakers who want to connect with like-minded others want to learn more want to teach because uh, you know they have a lot to teach um those of us who have been around for way too long (laughs) Uh, (laughs) but the whole point is that um there is nothing like getting to know someone casually and and knowing that you're beginning a relationship because that's what life is about are those connections and showing up is 90 percent of everything anybody does in life you know no matter, you know, whether it's going to school or um, just connecting with people who can inspire you and engage you. And um, and a lot of what Jackson is about is provoking new conversations and introducing um, new perspectives into the mix. I mean, we're at a really great and dynamic time right now. Um, it doesn't cost $100,000 to buy a camera. And there is, you know, it's a much lower barrier to entry anybody who wants to can tell a story and everyone has stories to tell and finding finding those connections has never been more important and new perspectives new global perspectives never more important in the world
0: yeah I, I couldn't agree more and it's I mean we again we talk about this a lot because of the whole barrier of entry you know 20 years ago when uh, as you say it was a hundred thousand dollars to get a sony f900 with a lens you know and go out and film and then of course you had to have the 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 stock media and you had to know how to use all that stuff and and mm-hmm. then you know just editing it was uh, another fortune in itself um and now we're at the place where that just is not the case anyone can get their hands on a camera we of some sort
1: And with the proliferation of platforms, you know, it's just there is no excuse for not doing this. If you want to tell stories, tell stories, make it happen.
0: And I think that that is the key right there is stories, because. know with my mentoring group that i run we one of the things that comes up more than anything is story it's all about you know there is no barrier anymore other than how do you tell a story and so many people say well they've all been told what you know what am i going to do and of course it's Mm -hmm. so untrue one we're discovering new species all the time two it doesn't matter look at how many of these things have been told and retold and there's still innovative ways to tell them new technology. As you say, you know, younger people are coming in and know way more than us. About, you know, a lot of the tech going on um, and because they're just growing up with it. And to us, it's like, wow, we've got to learn all this new stuff now to, to stay relevant almost.
1: And finding, but, you know, it's like telling different stories in new ways to new audiences. You know, everything is evolving all the time. It's like life. Yeah.
0: Yes. Absolutely.
1: But I do think that um, that an important element of convenings, whether it's Jackson Wild, Wild Screen or any other that you choose, finding, finding your people, finding your family, finding those who can help elevate you in terms of your skill level, your perspectives, and, and people who want to listen to you as well at the same time. Mentorships are huge and that's something that we take very seriously uh, here. And it's something that we're spending a lot of, um, a lot of energy and a lot of, <clears throat> a lot of time on that will be developed even to greater degrees um, in the future. I know uh, just in from conversations with our board recently, uh, this is going to become an even more important uh, aspect of our programming on an ongoing way so that it's not just a festival it's not a summit it's really a community that has connectivity over time and in lots of different ways
0: yeah and that i forgot to mention that actually when i was mentioning all the things you guys are doing mentoring is huge uh, i've been a mentor uh, jackson wilde and just having that connection with people who are coming in and seeing old faces as well who are there and you know uh, you get to see them year on year it's fantastic because You know, there's there's not many it's such a small industry, first of all, such a small industry. Everyone is so connected and there is so much we can learn in terms of new people coming in, as you say, showing us new things. And then, you know, top down, it's just it's it's all over in terms of who can mentor who, how that information is taken and used, how often. What I love about what you guys are doing is is the fact that you're connecting people and they can come back, you know, month on month and have a chat and find out if there's something specific they need to know, then they can they have contacts to be able to do that. And I I remember starting out how difficult it was, as you say, right, there was no internet, there was no, not really in the way that we know it today, a way that you could really contact people and find information about people like you can these days. And so it was so much harder to make these connections, let alone get anyone to spend any time on a call with you whatsoever. You know, you literally had to be face to face at a conference and, uh you know and hope that person had time to give you um and that is a changing face of of everything right now and i think it's wonderful because we're all we're all aiming for the same goals at the end of the day
1: no it it really is a one of the one of the better elements of um our time and i and i think you'll you know as a mentor speaking as a mentor yourself you get that you're also a mentee because you're getting so much from that that person that you're working with. You learn a lot.
0: Yeah, you really do.
1: Lots of new ideas come out.
0: So Lisa, in terms of advice for our listeners, (laughs) if you had advice now from a producer perspective, from, um, you know, perspective of the of the festival, what advice would you give people are looking to get into this industry you know this industry is interesting because you know sometimes you fall into it like you know i certainly fell into the industry um, based on my background Um, but it can be challenging to navigate once you're there and you can have some success and then it can fall away and you can you know and you can struggle to find work again it just can be it can be a, a hard journey and so what would you say to people in that situation where either they're, they're just looking to break in they haven't done anything before or they're already in this industry but they are really looking to to navigate more through it and make it a full-time career uh, What what would you say to them
1: i would say let me just collect my thoughts for a second here sure lean in be diligent be persistent don't give up you know We've all spent time giving away, you know, lots of, lots of weeks and months uh, working for free. Don't be afraid of that. Take that risk. Do it. Um, It's not going to be the rest of your life. But most importantly, it's leaning in, it's listening, it's developing relationships, and um, being intentional. Don't spend your time. You are what you do. So be conscious about the projects that you take and the stories that you want to tell, just be conscious and intentional because um, passion is everything. Commitment is everything. And there are stories that only you can tell.
0: I love it. I think that's so true. All of that, it's um, it is that place where we we talk about passion a lot and it's and and some people think it's cliché these days but the 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 fact is that this is such a passion driven industry i mean we tell stories i the stories i pick i do because i'm passionate about the subjects and the behavior and the impact that i can have on the world with those stories and, um, and I think it's so important to remember that and, and us not uh, push it to the side thinking it's cliche, because I know a lot of people these days say, oh, it's passion, you got to do that, you've got to love what you do, but it's so true. It is so true, because if you don't love this, you're not going to last in it very long. Um, you know, you've got, to, you've got to take on something that you do love.
1: Yeah, I love it at least part of the time. Uh, you know, sometimes yeah. it's pretty It'll hard. Get, every, everything's sometimes hard it at some really point, hard. Right? But, you know, hope is a choice. Uh, Everything that you do, it's all a choice and uh, I think it's really important to examine why you want to do what you do and what you want to achieve and this is a time where more than any other time in our history, the role of media as an agent of change, as an agent of influence in terms of connecting people personally with each other, with the world, with whatever, um, has never been greater. You know, that's what keeps the fire going.
0: Yeah, we all have that opportunity now to put things out in the world like never before, Mm -hmm. like never before. So um, Lisa, thank you so much. Is there there anything else you would like to add in terms of uh, what's happening with Jackson Wilde in the future? Actually. One of the things I did want to ask just before we before we go is that, that you have the SMASH awards as well, right? There, there's more. Oh no,
1: SMASH is gone. We're Jackson Wild, Smash is, gone. SMASH is gone. So what that was, you know, we had moved, SMASH was um, we were doing one year nature, the other year science, nature and conservation, science. And we really, um, re, again, which is what I encourage everyone to do, uh, about three or four years ago, took a time to sit down and reflect uh, from on a board on a board level, what we did well, what we thought our role should be in the world, and how could we do more of that. And we've um, we are in, we are focusing strictly on that intersection between science, media, and conservation, and action effectively impact. Um, and it's an annual conference, an annual awards event, um, but it's more than annual. It's year-round programming, all designed to accelerate change within that you know nice little nexus of science, media, conservation, nature. We're we're in you know really volatile times in our, as a planet, and um, again back to the role of media in this sector has never been more important. And um, and we're completely leaning in in that regard, and we don't consider ourselves a one-year, you know, an annual event. It's year-round programming designed specifically to accelerate training, new perspectives, and impact. Period.
0: That's fantastic. Well, I'm glad I asked that because that brings yeah. total clarity to yeah. what you guys are doing. That's fantastic, and and it's would... an evolution, right? I mean, that's what Absolutely. it's all about.
1: Evolve, change, thrive, respond. That's what we are as creatures. It's what we are as an industry. Um, And as filmmakers, everybody knows. You know, you run into some sort of obstacle, pivot and respond. That's what you have to do. That's Um, one thing I would. um, (laughs) So, you're most of the people who are listening to you are um, early career filmmakers, and um, I would like to just do a plug then for the collective which is um, our online hub that um, translates into in-person connection as well but it's you know at the heart of database but it's way more than that it's opportunities it's connections that it will be sub-communities by interest whether that's craft or Um, geography or whatever Uh, but it is um, an it's an online hub for connectivity with people within our sector and um, as we just launched a couple of months ago and as it develops um, we will become more and more a resource for producers looking for local talent and creatives around the planet so
0: That's wonderful. I'm part of the collective. Uh, I think I would yet say to anyone to apply because I think it's wonderful to have those resources out there without a doubt. And, And finally, Lisa, also what I would love to do is just just ask you about what people can do if they want to come along and volunteer because i've always said you know if you want to be it can be expensive especially these days coming to jackson Uh you know just getting lodging and just you know trying to stay there for for the festival what what um what are people's opportunities these days if they want to come along and help you guys out
1: there are it's just that simple um volunteer and that uh, it's going to be more and more year round. And um, some of that's volunteering as a, to be a mentoring of um, people coming, you know, who are less experienced than you. Sometimes it's um, being, you know, doing something relative to the summit, or it could be uh, doing something uh, in one of our online gatherings. We do a lot of trainings. You know, part of that whole collective thing is um, everything's free. It's a membership organization, but everything is free. But it's really designed to, you know, To connect our communities, so you know we're not looking for you know people who just like animals who want to know filmmakers. We're really looking at this as as a a community of nature conservation science filmmakers and the people who are um, engaged in that in that sector. But I would say go there, be active, and um, you know where your where your strengths are and what you can do to volunteer, whether that's at an event, whether it's um, uh, at doing online online interviews it, or editing, oh my gosh! Right now, you know we're getting ready to um, launch out. Um, we do an annual partnership with CITES and UN Development um, for World Wildlife Day, and you know we always need people who are great editors. We need footage. We you know we're a groveling nonprofit. We need everything. <laughs>
0: Who should people reach out to at Jackson Wild um, if they are interested in helping you out? Well, you
1: can reach out to me if you want, and then I'll toss it to the right person who will actually take care of it.
0: Fantastic. So So that's
1: lisa at jacksonwild.org.
0: Awesome. And I will put a link to you uh, on the website page. Um, Where else can people go to find out more about Jackson Wild? Um, -wild Jacksonwild.org. Jacksonwild.org. So I will place a link on there as well. And you guys, you you have Instagram and you have Facebook. I, I believe yeah. I follow both of them. So um, yeah. I will I will put links uh, for those as well. Yeah. Anywhere else? Is there anywhere else? That's probably covering everything. I would
1: think. Covers it. There's Facebook, Insta, Twitter. Always awesome. looking for new. We haven't done any TikToks, to my knowledge.
0: Um, right. Although, okay, there, was, so although there
1: was a move internally, so some of them may have happened. Um, but ah. yes, we need TikToks. The whole nature world does.
0: Yes, there you go. All right. Well, look, there's a, there's a, a voluntary position at Jackson Wild for a TikTok editor.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh, well, Lisa, it's been fantastic to chat with you this morning. And um, I'm so glad you're able to sit outside in the beautiful weather and do it as well. That's wonderful.
1: Thanks so much, Jake. Be well.
0: Thank you, and you. Bye-bye. If you've enjoyed this episode of the Master Wildlife Filmmaking Podcast, then please leave a rating and a comment. And remember to subscribe to keep up to date with the series' future episodes. You can find out more information about wildlife filming at jakewillers.com. And if you're interested in starting a career in the wildlife filmmaking industry or being mentored to further your career, then please visit jakewillers.com forward slash mentorship. Thanks for listening.